Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and head over to bridgechurchutah.com and have access to all of the church information and it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at Bridge Church. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy.
drags us into the cave, which causes this darkness to come. And we decided that, that being in a cave is like dealing with depression. Amen? Right? It's dark. It's closing in. It stinks. It's, uh, there's one way in and one way out. And most of the time, we can't find that way out. Right? And, and it sucks. I'll just say that. I've dealt with depression my whole life. I finally, at 57 years old, have figured it out. And, and all of last week was about figuring out and seeing it coming. How many of you know if you're walking across the street and there's a car coming, you're going to stop, right? How many of you know if you take any of those six things that we talked about last week and you can see it coming, you can head it off at the pass and you can win it. You can win this fight. It is a winnable fight. It's like an addiction. You can win this fight. That has to be your mentality. Okay? Because all of this isn't going to work until it goes from here to here. Can I get an amen from somebody in this place? Right? It is Mental Health Month uh, in Utah. And so we're going to look at Elijah and, and uh, how he got out of the cave. These five things and six things today are going to help you get past this thing that's been holding you back for so long. And it's exactly what it does. It's like being in a, in a straitjacket, being bound up, tied down, and held back because you're afraid to make a phone call. You're afraid to go outside. Fear binds you at every level in this, uh, in this whole thing. So let's start again like we did last week. That's, what does Jesus say about us? How many of you know Jesus purchased our freedom? Right? How come it's so hard for us to walk in that thing? How, how is it so hard for us to operate in victory that Jesus purchased? John 10.10 10 says this, that the thief, right? Now the thief can be a number of things. Can be the devil, can be a teacher, can be a coach, can be even a spouse. Hallelujah. Right? That it's just the enemy in your life does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. Is that a picture of addiction? Is that a picture of, of depression? That's it. Kill, steal, and destroy. The devil doesn't really want to kill you. He just wants to put a foot on you and hold you down so you do not do anything for God. Your mouth is closed. Your eyes are closed. Your ears are closed. You're not listening. You're not hearing. That's what the enemy, whoever that is, wants to do. But Jesus, somebody say, but Jesus. Jesus. I have come, Jesus, that they may have life. Somebody say life. life. Participate today. That they may have it not just life, but more abundant life. Anybody wants more abundance in their life? They want to be free, be strong, be able to speak to people. Right? God didn't do all this stuff, and Jesus didn't come to the earth and go through all he went through just so we can have just this calm, little, petite corner of our world and be happy. How many of you know he came for more abundance, right? I'm not talking like prosperity teaching. I'm just talking about being able to do what you want, when you want, and how you want to do it without fear collapsing in on you and holding you back, right? God wants you not just to cope and get by. He wants you to dominate. Say dominate. Come on, guys. We're going to get into this thing today. Or you're just going to sit in your depression and beat yourself, right? You have to dominate your life. And that comes from your mind, your mouth, and your actions. All of those things. And dominate and 
Jesus come more abundantly. Not just abundantly, not just a passive wife and columnist, more abundantly. Aggressively dominating the earth. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he said to tend and to keep it. Right? That comes with authority. We have that same authority in this earth to dominate what troubles us. Depression troubling anybody. I know it has my whole stinking life. And sometimes you just got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired before my father. Right? Just got to be done with it. So if you can get behind that today, he wants us to, to, to know God. Right? He wants us to find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Boy, that'd be great vision for a church. Somebody, right? Find God, get free, discover your purpose, and make a difference. That's domination in the earth right there. Are you with me? Right? So we're taking this series from a book that's being released this month. Um, it's called Out of the Cave. It's a, I have a distance banner in Birmingham, Alabama. His name is Pastor Chris Hodges. Most, all of this information comes out of his book, so I want to encourage you to purchase his book, and you can read about it. A couple of things about getting out of the cave. You're going to have to change the way you speak, okay? You're going to have to re release some words from your vocabulary, like always, like never, like all the time. In your self-talk, well, I'm never going to get ahead. I'm never going to get that job. I always fail. I always, those words have to be released from your vocabulary starting right now. If you're going to be free, you're going to walk out of this place free today, you're going to have to change the way your mind works and your mouth works. Two of the biggest problems in your life. You thought it was your boss? It's your mind and your mouth. Two big problems. Right? And I speak from experience. Okay? Thank God we have a book, the Bible, full of messed up people to help us figure this out. Okay. Amen. Right? We got the Apostle Paul. He was a killer. We got Peter. He can't get his mouth to stop clapping, right? Putting mouth disease. Right? We got Jeremiah dealt with depression. He wrote a whole book called Lamentations about, oh, God, I'm dying here. It's just terrible. Right? And Elisha. We're looking at Elisha's book. If you want to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to pick up the story from last week where we, we went through all of these things. And all of those things that we talked about last week, there's notes over there, the podcast is out there. If you didn't hear it, go listen to it. Because anytime you see any of those red flags coming up, you know what's coming. The darkness coming. And how many of you know you can ward that thing off quickly? So Elijah made some king-sized mistakes, right? He got busy. He was on a ministry run, man. He declared a drought, didn't rain for three years. Right? With the seraphath, dealt with the widow, with the flour and oil that would never stop. And then the kid got sick. He laid on him and healed him. Right? He was on a roll. He was busy. Right? His life was out of balance. Then in, in verse 4 of chapter 19, he, he did a comparison. He compared his life to his family, another death trap. Do not compare yourself to anybody but Jesus. Right? Not your boss, not your spouse, not your children even, which I've been dealing with recently because how many of you know your kids are little, then they grow up, then they get smarter, well, they think they're smarter than they <laughs> But I got the gray hair to prove I got more wisdom. Right? So you got to be careful with this comparison trap. And that's exactly what it is. And, and uh, Elijah compared himself with his father's. His self-talk was out of control. We're going to read about verse 10 today where he was 
And it's interesting, uh, I was talking to a guy this week who was telling me that he had a friend who had uh, needed a surgery, an implant, I think it was a liver or heart or something, implant surgery, and he got the call, and he had to hop on a plane, and he had to fly to uh, Minnesota to do the surgery. And when he got there, he walked into the hospital, and they, they asked him his name 700 times, and his birthday 400 times, and went through all the process, did all the things, and right before the surgery, the surgeon comes in and he goes, oh, you can't do the surgery. And he's like, why not? I came all this way, did all this stuff, why can't I do the surgery? And he said, you are unhealthy. You aren't healthy enough to survive the surgery. We're going to take this pure liver or heart and we're going to put it in a sick body and that sick body is going to take over that clean thing and destroy it. And I got thinking about that and I was reading PC's book and he says uh, the similar story and he says, Sometimes, sometimes, some of us are so wrapped up in ourselves that we hear a, a super great anointed, appointed teaching or some counseling or some kind of a something that's going to help us. But sometimes we can be so wrapped up in ourselves or so maybe unhealthy in a specific place that the clean, pure, anointed teaching goes right past us. And we're too unhealthy to hear the healthy teaching. And I got thinking about that, and I was like, hmm, I think that happens a lot in church. And it's interesting that the angel had to rest, had to put him down to rest. And the angel had to feed him physically so he could do his journey, his spiritual journey to health. I think sometimes for a lot of us, we're, we, we have done this to ourselves. We have, we have spun our lives so fast, so out of control, and, and filled our calendar with so much stuff that we can't get out of it. And here's, here's the, the key, the prescription to fix this problem. It's, it's real deep, and it's real long, and it's simply two letters. No. Can you come in? No. Can you help me move a couple? No. Can't. Because we have to learn to Sabbath. We're going to teach a series later in the summer on what Sabbath means. Because a lot of us hear Sabbath and we're like, oh, we're a day off, don't have to do anything, get some rest, so I can go back to work. Well, that's not how a Sabbath works at all. A Sabbath is resting to worship God, not resting to go about your life. It's resting to focus on worship. That's what a Sabbath is. So number one there, Stepping into a needed recovery. You have to decide to get well or the Lord's going to make you to lie down in green pastures. That would be fun. Right? If we don't prioritize our life, someone else will. The stores will, your job will, your family will, everybody will. We have to prioritize what we have control over. Are you with me? Right? I like, uh, we, we talked about this psalm before, Psalm 92, verse 12, all right, about prioritizing your life. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Teach us how to handle our life so that we can rest, we can Sabbath, right? And, and, and take things day at a time. Slow it down, right? Get it out. It's okay. Tell everybody you know, Pastor said, it's okay that I take a nap today. That I'm going to get up and I'm going to cook some steaks, right, and some fried potatoes, 
and then I'm going to take another nap. Then I'm going to get up, and I'm going to have a sandwich, right? A BLT with extra mayo, lightly toasted, okay? That's my life. I'm going to slow this thing down and bring it under control, right? Let's keep going. Verse 9, he says, and, they, and there at, at Horeb, or Mount Sinai, there he went into a cave, spent the night in that place, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, Elijah, anybody have this conversation with God? What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you, why are you here? What are you doing here? Right? That would probably be a good question to, to ask yourself sometimes. Then here he comes, verse 10. Elijah says to God, he says, I have been very zealous. That word zealous in the Hebrew means this. It means to be uh, full of emotion, to be passionate, also zealous and envious, to be highly possessive of something. He is working for God so hard that that's all he sees. He's zealous about this thing. And we can get that way, not even working for God, but just working for work, right? Working on our kids. Got to go to dance. Got to go to baseball. Got to go here. Got to go there. Got to do this. Got to get ready for school. Got to do homework. Got to do a report. And the teenager walks up and says, what's the report due? It's due tomorrow. We start on it. I haven't even started on it yet. Why? Because we move right past it. We're not paying attention. We're zealous. He says, for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Here comes some blame. It's all their fault. It's not me. I've been doing your work, God. It's all their fault. Torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I am alone and lost all that's left, and they, they want to kill me. Sounds like a little bit of complaining. It sounds to me like maybe he's uh, got a self talk working backwards against him here, where he's been thinking about this for a while. Verse 11 Then he said, Go out, stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind. Say when. When. Tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the, after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. Earth, wind, and fire. You think they made up the name of the band? Okay, right out of the scripture right here. Right? And after that, look what happens. And, and these scriptures right here is mocking the prophets of Baal and their shenanigans because they were hating God. Right? God's mocking them. And then he says at the end of verse 12, he says, a still, small voice. Secret. Right? Number two. Of your paper notes today on your note page there. That's stepping or step into a God. Most of the time, uh, people ask me, how can I find God? How do you do that? How do you hear? You always say, well, God, the Lord said to me, God spoke to me. How do you find God? And most of the time, we're looking for this big dynamic thing. It's like, it's just there's the Lord. It's like, that's not where it is. It's in that still, small voice. Psalm 46, verse 10, be still. Remember before, you got all these going on. You got, you know, technology today wrecks everything. We were laughing about a claim in this thing this week for the pledge office of guys. I haven't seen it in a long time because I've been summoned to the end of the earth in Utah County. I don't see any of my work rooms anymore. And we were laughing about how we're all the same age and the same generation. And we were laughing about how stupid.
simple life was before phones fell out. And he had technology, and he had a check email, and he had all this stuff that just put pressure on you to not be still. Right? And, and this week, I don't know what the deal was, but I, I mean, I just, this heaviness has been on my case all week long, every day. I wake up, I'm in a bad mood, right? And uh, it's, it's just, I don't want to do nothing. And I can recognize that from 57 years of living on the planet and know that the enemy is messing with me. And I usually will start speaking to him and start talking to him, but it's been tough, man. And this week especially, I have a routine, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday through the week. I listen to podcasts, I listen to mentoring, I listen to leadership stuff. But this week, I didn't do any of that. And I just put worship on all week, every day, and just had worship playing in my ears. Because there's only one thing that can make this and this be still. And that's worship. And I'm not talking about songs that talk about me being an overcomer and being great and, and living a great life. I'm talking about songs that exalt God, that worship Him, not me. And I've got three basic playlists in my music thing here. I got one that's like soaking music that doesn't have any words. It's just music that plays. And I'll usually like, if I'm reading my Bible, if I'm secret place or praying, I'll have that play. Then I, then I have the songs that I just talked about that just exalt God, worship God. They're a little slow, a little floppy, a little, you know, make you cry songs. Then I got a playlist that's like, you got to have some loose-fitting clothes on. You got to have your shoes off. You got to, like, put extra deodorant on because there's going to be sweating involved. And they're just warring songs, just attack and kick the devil in the face songs. And I've had those playing all week this week. And it's just been a war to find just that, that quiet, just shut up and leave me alone place. But how many of you know if you're persistent and you keep it going and you seek after the Lord, and, and it says in, um, uh, where is it, someplace, John 5 maybe, where he says that the Lord is seeking after worshipers, right, in spirit and truth. If you are struggling, like I was struggling all week to find that secret soft spot with God, if you keep doing it, He will show up. He will find you. Because He is searching for worshipers in spirit and truth in this world. That's John 4, guys, right? Uh, you gotta keep it going. You gotta stay in it because the enemy doesn't quit. Can I get an amen somebody? Right? He isn't gonna let up. He isn't going to take his hand off. He's not going to just let you coast through life seeking after God. You have to be aggressive in this thing and go after God. And he will meet you there. And he's going to make it where you are blessed. And, and I'm not talking about just, oh, everything's great, blessed. I'm talking about God's right here. I've got face-to-face -face contact with him. I love what uh, Asaph in the Psalm, Psalm 73 and Asaph was uh, like the Tony Valdez of David's court. He was, he was like the leader leader, like the whole band, right? And he says this, and, and if you read Psalm 73, there's none of them whining and complaining, and oh God, the people have all the prosperity, and all these guys have everything up on me, they're taking all my stuff, they're treating me bad, a lot of whining and complaining going on. Then he says this, 
when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. It's too painful to watch the world and see how evil is winning and they're changing laws and adopting these constitutional things and evil's winning and nobody knows if they're a boy or a girl and all these things are painful for him, right? And we see it and he says, until, say until, I went into the sanctuary of God and then I understood therein. When he got secret place, when he got quiet with God, still small voice, we have to look at your neighbor and say, you need to encounter with God. And that's our prayer for you every single Sunday that you come into this place and you have an encounter with God that lights a fire in you that changes the way you see things. And when you have some authority, when you have a little bit of a, of a God mentality and the Holy Ghost in you, that's when you can speak the things that make God. You can speak the things that make clean. Because now you've got a power that no one else has. Are you with me? Right? Verse 13. Let's keep going here. Verse 13 says this. Uh, so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle. How many of you know in the Bible, when the Bible talks about face, it's talking about your identity. Okay? It's talking about your identity. So he covers his face. And his mantle went up and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, say suddenly, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elisha? Have heard that before? Then here he goes again, same as verse 10. It's like he has a scripted excuse for God. And he says, I have been very zealous for the Lord of God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed all the prophets, and blinded them with the sword. I don't know what we left, and they want to kill me. Excuse after excuse after excuse. He has to find it. But I want you to notice that he covered his face. Notice in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, they covered their face as well. They were ashamed. Your face is your identity. Most of the time, I wouldn't recognize anybody if I didn't see your face. Elijah is a man, a prophet, who lost some confidence, and when you lose confidence, you lose your identity. If you're going to kick depression in the butt, you need to know who you are. You better understand who you are and who Christ made you. So number three on your notes there, step into a true, say true, true. identity. True identity. Who does Jesus say that is? Well, Jesus said, we saw in John 10, 10, that I have the victory. I, I am overcomer. I am a, a king and a priest. I, I have the victory. Have. Past tense been purchased for me already. When we operate out of a mind of victory, that changes everything. Then when the darkness tries to come, you can push it back because you have already won this fight. Devil, I have already won this fight. And I'm talking out of your mouth, speaking clearly. Get up off me. You got no place here. I am purchased, I am redeemed, I am cleansed, I have no sin, I am free from you. Back up off me. And when, when people hear you talking to yourself in the house, they're like, yeah, get the guys with the white coats over here, because he's crazy. But that's what it takes. Sometimes it takes a little crazy to win this fight. Are you with me? Yeah. Right? I like what Eleanor Roosevelt said. No one can make you feel inferior 
children cannot make you feel any less than you are without you saying okay. When you come to the Bridge Church, we want to push you up. We want you to feel like you are the king or the queen of the earth when you walk out of this place. Right? Because the world, we're not allowed to let the world tell us who we are. And I think in the church today, there's too much sin being preached. Too much, you're this, you're that, you're not enough, you'll never overcome, you know, you don't give enough, you don't do this, you don't do that. All these types of things are dragging you down. And uh, this summer, the, we want to push you up. We want to show you who you are. We want to talk about your identity. We have a series called, Who Am I? Right? My best friend, who is Jesus in your life? These are all things that are going to help you understand that we can win this fight no matter what. We have already won this fight no matter what. We're going to talk about honor. We're going to talk about uh, free indeed. Anybody been free from the bonds of hell and sickness? We can win this fight. Verse 15, moving on here, he says, then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Go back where it started. That word Damascus is the word of the uh, beginning of the oath, or oath from the beginning, where he decided that he was going to follow God and be a prophet of God. They're sending him back there. And when you arrive, anoint Haziel, king over Syria, and you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel, that dude, and you shall anoint a prophet in your place. And it shall be whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Here comes Elisha. Right? Look what's happening here. We're getting some help. We're getting some people coming to the rescue. God is pointing to Elisha and he's telling him, you have a new assignment. Get some new people around you who are going to lift you up and help you and then assign things to do. Tell this guy to do that. Tell this guy to do that. We're going to speak truth. We're going to speak life in this place. And we are going to overcome. Because how many of you know, if you're going to beat something and you hang around the same lousy, low-life people, not saying that they don't deserve Jesus or they can't be saved, but if you stick in the same crap, you're going to smell like crap forever. Right. Just put it out there. Right? You've got to change who you see and who you're hanging around with and people who are going to have your back. Like Jehu's, if Nimshi blows it, Jehu's going to take care of it. If Jehu misses it, a last shot is going to win this fight. we got people protecting us. we got people who are, are going to have our vision. We're lining up with our heart. Who are going to help me win the fight. Hallelujah. Get an amen from somebody. Amen. It's important. The people we hang around that speak into our lives are the ones who are either pushing us up or are either dragging us down. Which is it going to be? Which is it going to be? It's important. We talked about Victor Frankl last Sunday, right? He said after post-World War II therapist dealing with people in, in the concentration camps. These people, all they wanted to do was die. And it, it's amazing to me, you know, you go through that what, years and years and years of hell, and then they just want to die by suicide at the end of it. And he's counseling these people. And his whole thing was, you have to find something to live for. Right? I like this quote. He says, people have enough to live by, but nothing to live for. They have the means, but no meaning. We have to find some meaning in our life. Get a project. Find something 
to work on. I like what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says this, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though the outward man is perishing. This is temporary. This is this is we're a we're a natural person in a spiritual realm. And we're not, you know, we're hanging out here having, we're not having temporary spiritual encounters. We need to be a spiritual person in a natural realm, having a spiritual life, living, spirit-filled, right? Yeah, uh, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us uh, far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. It's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> Sorry, I got like stuff, messages and things flying all over the place here. It's kind of crazy. Verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen because we have a vision, but at the things which are not seen, we have to focus on the eternal. Right? For things which are seen are temporary. But the things that which are not seen are eternal. Do we need to get something bigger in our life than the issues that we're dealing with. When we find purpose and vision, right? Where the Bible says in, in uh, Proverbs uh, 29, 18, where there's no vision, you're going to perish. A lot of times we're waiting for somebody to tell us, well, what's my vision? I don't know. What is your vision? Where's your heart? We, we, just, we all just went through growth track. We know our gifts. We know our talents. We know what we're supposed to do. We just need a place to put it. We got plenty of places here. Right? You can serve all over this place. Our church runs great without you, but it's going to run excellent with you. Get a vision. Get a project. Get something that's going to change your life. So number four there, step into a new assignment. Figure it out. What am I supposed to do with my life? And get behind that thing and push. Because when you're focused on one thing, the other thing isn't going to matter. Right? And I would suggest making something Jesus. Are you with me? Is that right? So, uh, 1 Kings 19, 19, last scripture right here. Close enough. He said, so depart from there, right, the place where you went back to, uh, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. That means, I would say, Elisha was, uh, had a little cha-ching, because he had 12 yoke of oxen. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. He found somebody that was a friend. Somebody he could be accountable to. Somebody he could lay his life in his lap and trust. Right? And it took some work, but Elijah and him uh, became best buds. They were friends. And they were people they could trust each other. Right? You cannot. You cannot do this life by yourself. That's why we are a family. We are a body of Christ put together to help each other. Right? It's, it's, here's an awesome uh, example. Last night, David throws on the men's test. Hey, I'm on the couch today. Bam, there was like two, three, four guys immediately. Uh, yep, uh, do it after church. Do, of course, do it after lunch, right? You gotta go to lunch first, but then move the couch, right? If somebody, if you don't have to tell, we all got issues. Everybody in this room's got issues. You don't have to tell everybody your issues 
your issues, but you can better tell somebody. Because you let that swirl up inside of you and your self-talk starts working backwards. Right? And, and I can guarantee you in this house, you tell somebody your issues, you're not going to get a, whoa, I can't believe it. You're going to get a, you're going to get a, oh, you too? Oh, it was just me. Let's pray and knock this thing out. Let's work together as a family. Number five on your handout there. Step into relational, relationship strength. Right? You can't do it by yourself. Get in a group. Whether it's in table, whether it's the gathering. Get around like-minded people who think like you think. Because most of the world doesn't think like you think, they think backwards. It's all about me and I and self out in the world. Here, it's all about Jesus. And helping and pushing each other up and over. Kevin Eikenberry, who's a leadership book writer guy, he says, look carefully at the closest associations in your life, for that is the direction you are headed. Youth ministry used to tell the students all the time, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You hang around with dingbats, guess what? You ain't gonna go away anymore. Hang around with dingbats. My dad's close, right? I heard you say that. Dingbats are multiplying. That's what my dad used to say to us kids. And you come around, right? Look at them all. They're all crazy. But if you hang around dumb people and people who make bad decisions, you are not gonna get anywhere in your life. You have to hang around like-minded Christ-following people. Jesus had the 12 that he hung around. Then he had the three inside of that that he really sowed into. Find somebody that you can be accountable to. And God, let me just throw this out there. Don't make it your spouse. Because that's going to end bad for you. Right? Be accountable to somebody. Right? We're doing this as a family and we're doing it together. Look at your neighbor. Say we're doing this together, no matter what. No matter what. Amen. Here's the prescription: take a nap, get some to eat, take another nap, get some to eat, encounter God. Okay. Figure out who you are. Get an identity that's centered in Jesus. Figure out your purpose. Get some friends you can depend on and trust. And we will do walk out of this cave together. Are you with me? Amen. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference, kick the world's butt because we have the authority to do it. Let's all stand together. <clears throat> Let's pray this morning. We can get the prayer team to come and the band to come. We can do this together, you guys. If you have an issue, if you deal with it, if you want to be delivered, today is your day. Are you with me? Today is your day. We can. We got these people up here who want to pray with you, that want to, want to just lay your life in their lap. You can do this. We can beat this thing together in the name of Jesus, right? So, bow your heads, close your eyes, we're going to pray. Father, in the name above every name, the name that is Jesus, we pray today, for victory, for salvation, for a life that is above and not below, for a life that is the head and not the tail, for a life of abundance, for a life above everybody, for a life of freedom.
God, we pray that these people in this place, everybody watching on the stream, on the podcast, Lord, you can win this fight. We can walk out of here together because we have the victory. We have the victory. Say it with me. We have the victory. Say it like you mean it. We have the victory. We can do this together. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Sandy, South Jordan, West Jordan, or Harriman area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, head over to bridgechurchutah.com or email info at bridgechurchutah.com or you can simply text 801-391-6969. We're looking forward to seeing you soon.